It's 2024. We're back for episode four of season two, Growth Vault. I'm here with the, what is the superlative I want to use? The indomitable Aaron Orendorf, the incomparable Rabba Rahil, and um, me, Chase Moseni. There's no word. There's just me. And we're really excited to come back to you this year and give you some give you some gas, as our boy Rob would say. So today we're going to talk about more free flowing conversation. Have a framework we want to work through with you that we haven't really gotten to ourselves gotten through ourselves about um, value creation. Rob has a much more uh, nice turn of phrase. But what we're going to do is 2024 predictions right now for ecom B two B SaaS with ecom and kind of the market at large. So I don't know. I'm throw it to AO. I'll throw it to Ale. What are your what Let's are your predictions? Go, put or, uh, you can just ping it back to me and say, Chase, you figure it out. Can, what, can we talk about this? Board? I think it's the first non-carte blanche. Yeah, it is. Dude, there's zero no for carte three. Blanche. AO wow. scared me. I got it in my if you got oh, we're not posting on yeah. uh YouTube's yet, right? Yeah. But if you were watching, you can see my carte blanche orange heater that Aaron has somehow commandeered. You know what what it's like when you're like the quasi-pretty girl and you find like the fire fit. And then you see the prettier girl pull it off even better. I was so angry, so angry. And that freaking That's the retard. TF. I don't want to be indomitable. I want to be the prettier girl. That yeah, yeah, you're the pretty girl, 100%. Webinar, he just looked brilliant. Go, I was go. I was very butt hurt about it, yeah. but um, <laughs> anywho, I just I had to sh- shout it out there. Yeah. Uh, I uh, but I was uh, small digression incredibly happy with my uh, ski tour purchase from Carte Blanche, so yeah, shout out. I'm pretty Adam pissed, Lee. actually. I didn't you buy guys are the killing it. hat with the most. Oh, it's it's gas. Oh, I got the shirt. I didn't get the hat. It's yeah, the, yeah. the shirt's dope, though. The shirt's yeah. dope. Aaron, what is that hat, though? Is that Trailblazers? So that's not a thing anymore, right? That's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's they, Portland. This is Trailblazers. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, this is. Dude, I'm so you just old, swing wildly. This is like such a. It's always a uh, manic experience with you, where it goes from <laughs> I'm the pretty girl, I'm getting complimented to that team doesn't even exist anymore. That's your. I yeah, think uh, thinking because they have the Sonics colors. So he's thinking PNW, Supersonic yeah, colors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Little yeah. Sean Kemp, father of a couple oh, kids. Oh, dude, G- did the glove, the glove, and Sean Kemp, dude. That was mid nineties. Detlas Shrimp. The kids Ooh. don't know about NBA G. Look at, look at this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, now that I, I only totally know from, derailed this. It did. Okay, twenty twenty four predictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ecom specifically, consumer specifically. I firmly believe the winnowing period, lean years are over. Maybe we're pushing through into a Q1 that's a little bit slower than expected, especially for non-seasonal brands outside of health, wellness, beauty, the ones that mm. typically pop on that front. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm really bullish on consumer and e-com in particular as it goes back into its steady growth trajectory that COVID pandemic swung up, mm-hmm. the backlash swung down, winnowed out, it did lean, it got there's still going to be a relentless focus, I think, on value creation. I love seeing things like contribution margin. Uh, you can't eat percentages. You can only pay rent with dollars like that coming into the public consciousness or, or at least in the social consciousness. I don't think that's going to necessarily go anywhere. And I do think there's going to be an impetus on somebody asked me about like, what is the absolute essential tool for a, an e-commerce tech stack, like outside of the usual marketing sales channels? And I was like, 
yeah, uh, Statless and Final Loop are like the two where it's just anything that gets you closer to the dollars you're spending, where you're yeah. spending them, and are you spending them well? Yeah, uh, and actually connects that back to your books, to your actual accounting. I think that's still a rocket ship on yep. those fronts. But I'm I'm really bullish, and I think uh, we're off to the races this year outside of Q1. Elections aside, too, I don't think that's going to slow anybody's role uh, online. I will say, if I could just interject a little bit, election year, the one headwind that that will bring, is, or I guess two headwinds, uh, one, uncertainty. So like if it goes red or blue, depending on where the exec or who gets elected. So people will you usually, unless there's a big runaway front front runner, where you know it's going to happen. Uncertainty is never great. The other thing is the way political dollars work is you have to spend them or give them back. And you never do the latter. And so you're going to see a lot of uh, ad dollars get dumped into these yeah. channels that will push up CPMs, CPMs up. Yeah. just yeah. because that's how auctions work. When yeah. you have a lot more money and people are going to pay a lot yeah. more for that. With that being said, I think that's, macro yeah and almost every d to even like a hex cloud or whatever doesn't even need to worry about macro like exactly of these brands are big enough to have impact from macro actual yeah. um economic things so anyways that was my way to try and sound smart but then come back and say hey actually you were really right he was right anyway <laughs> trying to right. word quota guys yeah what about you what about you robo Fill some time for me. Let me okay, let me I got it. So I think um, one of the things uh, AO said about it not being affected by the election, I think one of the things that I predict is similar, that it's not going to be affected. My my rationale, though, is in 2018 or when was it? When was it? 2020, excuse me. Brands and in 2016, brands were not as sophisticated with their channel diversification and distribution. And so there's like a lot more things that they can do to essentially mitigate the risk of being like over indexed on a channel. So like everyone's talking about TikTok shops, for instance. So yes, there's some, there's some things that you have to do to make your TikTok shop work and there's paid, but essentially like will, you won't have to only be dependent on, on meta to essentially drive your business forward. You can diversify into multiple channels. Also, people are doing a lot more, a lot more out of home stuff with who's the direct mailer group. Postpilot. Postpilot. They're doing out of home with like, um, with Joe from on the go. They're doing a few different things where they're able to amortize their cost across different channels, get the eyeballs in different places. Some people are doing connected TV, et cetera. And again, this is all based on relative scale of your business. A lot of people are still index heavy on meta. But those brands during the time that election cycle is going to happen, we're going to have to fight for CPMs anyway because it becomes expensive because of Black Friday in the end of in the end of the year anyway. So they're just going to have to be better at their creative and diversify diversify channels. So I feel really good about that. I think one other thing that I'm I'm really bullish on is essentially the the AI craze turning into essentially the next layer of it going into like a pure usefulness play. And so we talked about this a little bit yesterday, uh, Rob, but essentially it's instead of it being, oh, it's a cool thing to have AI in your product. It is no, what is the most useful, useful implementation? And so I'm, I'm going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of SaaS companies instead of just trying to rush out and get their AI thing out there so that they're essentially at baseline with everybody else, it is now the next level of that, which is how do we actually help people's workflows within our product and in the market at large. And so I think we're seeing a few of those notions done quite a good job with this already. 
there are going to be more of these things. And instead of it being like, oh, it's it's table stakes to have AI in your product, it's going to be who actually jumps the jumps above everybody else by really pushing into usefulness. And I think instead of uh, VC dollars flowing into, like, I don't think VC dollars are coming back into DDC, but I think there's going to be a lot of private equity money that comes in because they're happier with they're happier with the multiples, right? Because it doesn't have to yeah. be a 10, 15, 20. They're happy with like a three against EBITDA, four, five. Like they're happy with that over a three-year runway, five-year runway. So I think that's going to be another one where we see private equity be the place where people in e-commerce and DDC go to get capital or go to exit rather than thinking that VC is going to have something, you know, something there for them. So those are my three. Those are strong. Yeah. Man, you guys really put me over a barrel here. Yeah. The AI take, I, I, I 100% agree with, and I would just extend it a little bit. I think a lot of companies got a head fake with AI and it actually put them in a worse place than they were, where yeah. um, it was kind of squirrel, 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 and they stopped figuring out the job to be done and they tried to do more. So what I think, so just a, a little small digression, I think of AI in terms of like three phases. So you uh, find the land, you extract the value from the land, and then you refine that resource from that raw material. And so where I think uh, the biggest AI companies outside of like the pure play AI of like chat GPT being et cetera, like people that are kind of quasi AI where you open the box and it's actually like a person in there doing it. I think the people that sit across a bunch of passive data sets are going to kill it. And so you're seeing this right now with, um, there's a fancy tool called Gong. D2C people won't know what it is, but essentially like it'll record all your sales calls, yada, yada, yada. It gives you all these highlights and then you can start to have sentiment analysis. Are these people going to churn? What's the probability of this deal closing, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all passive. All you have to do is make the sales call. And so our VP of sales now runs our pipeline meeting from Gong, not from Salesforce, which is crazy to me, which is crazy. And it's so much better. So I think that, like uh, you mentioned Notion, Notion is, and actually I'm cooking something up that I'd love to throw around you guys, but Notion has integrated this uh, kind of, almost like what Triple's doing with Willie, or I think they're renaming it, but basically when you have all this data under one roof, I can say, hey, the Notion AI little, it's almost like Clippy for our generation or for the new generation, Clippy is my generation, where you can say, hey, what are the marketing events this week? Or, hey, what's the battle card for or North Beam or et cetera, et cetera. And what gets really cool is not only do you have that AI query in that, then you can even port it over to Slack where you can start doing Slack commands and say, hey, slash battle card. And then you put in this or, hey, I want. So I think that is going to be huge. I think AI is kind of going back to our phone conversation. AI is a multiplier. And when you multiply by zero, you get zero. And so I think a lot of people think AI is not a multiplicative function. They think it's just some sort of augmentation. And it's not. Like AI is really awesome, but you have to still have thoughtfulness. You have to still start from a really awesome place. And so that I'm very, very bullish on. So right now I'm actually taking, there's a thing called grain. It's basically just any AI note taking thing. But with Zapier, I'm taking all my grain meetings or all my meetings are in grain. They're linked up to Google and Zoom. And then you get from that, I have a zap that takes all those transcripts, the summary, the people that were in the call, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm dumping that into a Notion database. And then every week I'm rolling that Notion database up just to extract all that value. And none of it is active. And so that's, that's kind of where my big bet is. I think passively 
collecting this information and then using automation to then surface these insights, I think that's where AI is really going to excel, not in like ghostwriting for you or whatever. I, again, that stuff is interesting, but ChatGPT, Bing, like all those, those people are never going to get beat. Almost all the AI stuff is rappers anyways. And so anyways, that's my big long spiel. I think it's going to be massive year for people that understand and learn how to leverage AI. With that being said, taking kind of a little bit of a social turn, I think there's going to have to be a really interesting reckoning, whether it's this year or not. I know it's this year's takes, but understanding there's going to be new social contracts that need to get renegotiated with AI. So for example, Mm. if you went to your partner and you wrote your partner a poem and you're a terrible writer, that poem is probably not going to generate what us economists call utility. Utility is just basically like the outcome that you want, right? But if I said, okay, I know that she likes kettle chips and we went to Prague together and we met the first time in LA and she likes Joe Rogan and Huberman and and you have almost this demographic psychographic profile of your partner and then you put all this stuff into chat GPT and then it writes you this incredibly eloquent poem that will legitimately drive more happiness and value for your partner. But then if you tell them that chat GPT helped you with that instantly denigrates, like that becomes not valuable anymore. 100%. And so the corollary there is the business, right? Like yeah. if I'm making you a whole marketing plan and I hire, Aaron hires me, he's like, Hey Rob, I need some help to do my Q2 planning. Can you bring me all this stuff? I can do a lot of that in chat GPT. And then if I overlay a little bit of veneer of like, oh, I did it and then sell it to Aaron, Aaron doesn't necessarily care. But if Aaron found out that the majority of that was done in ChatGPT, there gets this weird vibe. And so I think that's going to be something that'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out because I see both sides of it. I personally understand and want a better outcome, but at the same time, there's a weird, some people attach value to suffering. It's a weird dichotomy where it's like, you didn't work hard enough. So I don't value it. And so I, anyways, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how it all um, lays out. Because when you go to the consumer as well, I think it's going to get really interesting really quickly with AI. And then I, I think the last thing for me is I do think the market is absolutely going to rip. I think it's going to be awesome. And I think you're actually going to see a bunch of roll-ups in terms of businesses that are features that were masquerading as businesses where they're not bad but they can't really stand on their own. And they're going to be a lot of, they're going to have a hard time raising money. And so they're going to want to at least get something out of it. And I think, so I think this is going to be a big year for M&A, both on D2C side, as well as, um, especially on the SaaS side, because with SaaS, you can essentially subsidize a ton of your R&D. There's a old axiom, you know, build it or buy it. I think a lot of SaaS companies, especially if they raised, our cash flush where it's like, I got to deploy this capital. And instead of me yeah, building yeah, 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 this yeah. thing, fuck that. Let me just buy, you know, motion for yeah. my creative analytics. or let me buy yeah. where you're going to have these, uh, and not to say that motion is a feature. I, I love Reza. They're doing some really, really cool stuff over there, but you guys get my point. Those are my big three. Is loom with Atlassian, like a, like a big version of that where it's like, yeah, they did. They got bought. Yeah, they yeah. got bought. But like, essentially, they're rolling that into. Essentially, they're going to roll. Oh, it's that a perfect example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perfect yeah. example yeah. of like a job to be done. And it was. I mean, Loom, I think, did a good job in terms of expanding the feature set. Yeah. Similar to kind of what Gong is doing, where Gong yeah. is now starting yeah. to be the job to be done for Gong is not sales calls, but it's actually 
collecting your sales data, surfacing insights in a meaningful way, and yeah. then basically abstracting away Salesforce. Like you're yeah. still always going to need Salesforce, but yeah. never having to use it. I mean, candidly, oh. like shameless plug, that's where we're trying to go with Fermat is like, we want to abstract away the website. The website will always exist. It's going to be amazing. But like, you can't test offers on your homepage. You can't test offers on your PDP. There, there's all these things. You can only have one Instagram shop, one meta shop, one yeah. TikTok shop. TikTok just raised their rake in referrals. So anyways, I think it's going to be uh, a really, actually, candidly, super fun year. Uh, the, the election stuff is going to get a little little hairy, but that's Q4. It'll, it'll, it'll yeah. end up shaking itself out. But yeah. Kobe year. Love it. Well, you got Aaron. I thought you were very. I felt. I felt like you were inspired. There was something there. Rob was giving. I love the Aaron inspo. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's really That's similar it. to HubSpot's acquisition of Clearbit. Ooh, perfect. Oh God, this guy is so damn good. I hate it Jeff's because good. you want it to be like tech is hard to build, and it's also so. This is the back end of that though. Is I think the the pushback on that is the rollups, particularly the all in one features, right? The heir parents in the Shopify ecosystem are all headed in that direction. Yeah. There it's everybody's bolting on and trying to add to the feature set. Yapo is perfect example of Yapo. Recharge is perfect amazing. example. Exploded into it. Jimmy over at Sendlane is doing their their whole thing now with unified email reviews, SMS, or I shouldn't say that that other part. No, 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 no. That's absolutely yeah. the case. And uh and I stole this line from Terrell Holland, and I think it was at the Sendlane conference that he dropped it, or at least the podcast afterwards, where he's like, the name of the game is uh, 80% of the features for 50% of the cost. That's a Clayton Christensen disruption quote. You can't, you yeah. can't credit. I love it. So hold on, so hold on. I, I, I have a, I have a question for you because we, we have- Because they're overserved. Okay, okay. The market's overserved. Yeah. And, and and so it's like the idea, now this is what I, it's the year of good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and there is still a lot of price sensitivity. There's a lot of price sensitivity. Oh, dude, dude. dude oh, my God. The price Especially when it comes to touching percentage of revenue yeah. and this clamor to, if you're not processing my payment, why am I giving you a cut? Like, yeah. outside of the need for... And I think the only way that there's pushback on that is clarity of analytics and driving value. And maybe this goes right into what we're going to talk about. I'm not sure. It does really because matter. there's this weird back and forth, this almost kind of like manic energy, especially on social. And, and we saw this in the last couple of weeks with like a few of the big players getting lit up. Yeah. 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 Just railed against. Mm. And, but what it really comes down to is can you demonstrate for me the outsized money in, money out? And if you can, then like, I think there's a lot of, there's this whole like silly thing going on about like, I'm not paying $10,000 for any, more than $10,000 for any app. And I think that's absolutely garbage and it plays well on social. And yeah. that's the end of it. It's yeah. such a, like. All those people you, are paying you $10,000. Yeah. Now percentage of revenue that. gets scary and that's yeah. where people get really sketched. Rakes, if there's yeah. not, Rakes if you're not right on top of making the money, but outside of that, then the race becomes, how do you demonstrate value in a yeah. way that is um, right tied right back into, this is incremental. You yeah. wouldn't have made this without this, or at least it's directional. Yeah. And, and you're able to say, this is outside of our platform validated, and we can actually prove to you, yeah, if we're going last click, last non-direct click, just write back those sort of pieces. So I have I have a one I have one question about this. Uh, we've seen this with agencies, right? There was uh, for a while when we were in the bull run, everyone was a specialized agency, and now people are consult or excuse me, everyone was an all in one because everyone wanted to own everything. And mm -hmm. now we've gotten back into more specialized stuff, and I feel like we're in that 
in essentially the inverse where it was there was more specialized platforms and now everyone's going all in one. And kind of the way I always look at all these things, it just waves. Eventually, everyone will be like, this is shit. I don't want this all-in-one solution because nothing is actually that good on this platform. I want my specialized thing that's going to drive impact. And so I agree with you. I think we're in the swing of like 80% of the value for 50% of the cost. What generally happens with those is like the core reason why you came is cost. And there is the ROI that you're getting out of those things because none of them are actually good enough to drive meaningful impact is you just say, okay, I'm going to go look at this new player in the space that has been singularly focused on doing one thing. And I think that's going to be an interesting one, you know, this year, like you said, consolidation, but going forward, how long does consolidation play before people are like, I want actually good apps that do SMS really well, or do CRO really well, or do ads really well versus this one that does all of them. And it's not even 80% of the way there. It's like 60 because they have to dev across all of them. And they don't have resourcing to do all those things. No matter what anyone says, they don't have the resourcing. Atalassian has $2 billion of free cash. They can do stuff. Everyone else, fuck off. You don't have enough money to own the entire stack and have enough money and dev resources to do it. I just don't, I don't believe that. Maybe here's, here's the thing, though. What you just said about resource is the exact reason on the inside why that narrative is so appealing. Yeah. It's not appealing for any technological reason. It's yeah. simply appealing for the human reason of my team went from five people running marketing down to three, maybe two, yeah. and just logging in and out of stuff is killing me. Yeah. yeah. That's that's like yeah. literally it. Yeah. There's that's the whole narrative yeah. is no one can demonstrate. And I think the whole idea of omnichannel is so like customers don't care. I mean, I see this on the front lines of when somebody changes their phone number. And they're like, should we send a message? And I finally got to the place where I used to be like, well, it depends on what you're, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Now I'm just like, no, don't, no one cares. Yeah. Like yeah. they just, you're going to waste money on that yeah. is, is yeah. what you're doing. Nobody is paying attention to the omni-channel customer journey experience more yeah. than you outside, like especially from a uh, consumer D2C perspective yeah. where it's a volume play. Yeah. Like, you get into like, okay, an account-based marketing B2B, it's an agency relationship or it's a, like a 100K or more purchase piece of software. Yeah, sure. yeah. all right. Then we've got to have stakeholders and who's getting what and all the like. Yeah. But there's like such a gap between those two. And so many people on this end of it with like the D2C are concerned about your customer doesn't care if you send them an email and a text message at the same time. Like they just don't even know it's yeah. happening until they you wouldn't even off. know That's because it. they're not logged into their email at the same They'll get the text message and they'll see their email five hours later. So they don't, and they're not checking the timestamp, right? <sighs> What, so it's funny, Rob. Can I, I, think can I throw in a killed. quote though? Oh, hit, real hit, quick. Hit, hit. You guys, it's so brilliant, and it's uh, I love my quotes. Um, so the OG Jim Barksdale from Netscape, the old CEO there, yeah. had just such a baller line, and it's ex exactly what you guys are talking about. There's essentially two cycles in business and two ways to make money in business, and so he says only two ways to make money in business: one is to bundle, the other is to unbundle. And so I think we're now going to be into this bundling stage is yeah. kind of what my thesis is where yeah. to Aaron's point, because what is happening is the things that are generating value, like those features masquerading as businesses, that value generation, a lot of times is hard to quantify or put in a spreadsheet. But caveat is if I throw you under the roof 
with a Kobe or something. Now you can be a little Robert Ori or somebody where you're oh, actually yeah. driving a ton of value. Yeah. Robert Ori, you know what I mean? That's not like the best example, but he was never a franchise player. So people oh. that don't know sporty ball, he, he yeah. was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but yeah. he would never have been the bazillion dollar business that Shaq and Kobe were. Yeah. And so I think that's what's going to happen is, uh, again, I think there's just going to be this roll up with people that are cash flush that see targets that are going to get distressed because they can't raise money. Because I, I do agree that I think the markets are going to rip, but I think the VCs are going to go back into IBM kind of stuff where it's like they're going to bet on the, the really kind of close ones. Because what I've seen and heard from my friends in the finance industry is that People are indexing way more on uh, path to profitability. How quick can you get to profit? But with that being said, they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too, because if yeah. you're going to be indexed on profit, guess what gets hit? Growth. Yeah. And so like you can't you can't be a growth company and a profit company. Like that's yeah. they're they're kind of orthogonal in a way, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the baby companies, lifestyle companies, feature businesses kind of thing, but big monster behemoths are usually either in growth mode or optimization mode where it's like, all right, we need to cut back stuff. And I mean, Facebook was probably the best example of this, where it's like what they did is absolutely not possible. Like they defied business physics where they cut a bunch of headcount and grew. Like it, that just it grew a bunch and yeah. that just doesn't happen. So anyways, I'm just, I'm really bullish on this year. I'm very, very optimistic. I think it's going to be a great year. Obviously yeah. their capitalism has going to have losers, but I think the- but not us. <laughs> well, I just think the market is getting less distorted. I think in yeah. the last two to three years, like you, oh, you, ha goodness. you had an IV and some semblance of a three sentence idea and people yeah. were cutting you five, $10 million checks. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I love capitalism. People can deploy their money as much as they want. But I think at that point, those people that got that money have probably pivoted a few times and still haven't found their thing. Yeah. And that's going to be honestly like creative destruction. Like it's healthy for the market. Obviously, you don't want people to lose their jobs and stuff like that. But it is what it is. Some, that's I mean, the, someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. Like that's the capitalistic bargain that you make when you're in yeah. a capitalist society. But anyways. Yeah, really good answers, guys. That was a really interesting, thoughtful conversation. Thank you yeah. for that. Well, I think it, I think it dovetails into the topic pretty well, Rava. Right. Mm -hmm. So you want to do you want do you want to tee it up, um, and then I can give my my or I can give my terrible version of it, and you can come in with like the sweet sweet butter. What what do you want to do? And and then we polish the turd. Yeah. Know, either way, I think because uh, you're conceptually correct. I I, I totally have no. Okay, let's po let's the, polish a turd then. People like people like people like a comeback story, right? As, as Ari Gold said, people always love a comeback. Is it is it PC to talk about Ari Gold anymore? It was pretty not like. Is that can Dude, we? When he went into, uh, he comes back to the agency. Yeah, he just starts shooting people. With the... oh, that's one of the most all time. Literally all timer. Just like, all -timer. Oh, you. Just oh, like, yeah, what yeah, an yeah. all time fire! Yeah, uh, yeah. Ari oh, Gold, what a crazy. legend, legend. Okay, so the idea we were talking about, uh, and A, I was getting this for the first time, so I'm really excited to hear his thought, his thoughts on it. And maybe we let him tell us what he thinks before you polish the turd, Robo. Okay. That might be actually really nice. interesting. So essentially, we were talking about uh, what's the difference between the like what product is supposed to do and what marketing is supposed to do. And so the way I look at it is it's two ways: is value creation and value extraction. And so value creation means a marketing org or marketing team helps the business or the brand of the business become really important in the market, drive inbound, drive top of funnel, all of like drive word of mouth, all of the things that, for instance, you did with your incredible um, one thing event a couple of weeks ago, and really, really polish how people are thinking about your business. 
whether they're customers already or they are possible customers, it essentially is this amazing, as uh, Rob has said, on-ramp into your product. But if they don't want to stay around your product, they still are getting a lot of value because you are generating it in the market. You're giving them content, you're giving them information, yep. you're making them feel good. Your name, Ricard, Fermat, heatmap.com are all just associated with said value. So when they're ready for us, we're the first person to think of because we created a lot of value. Value extraction is once they've used that on-ramp to become a customer of said product, how quickly, based on what they've learned and then how our product is, can they extract said value? So the multiples, Aaron, you were talking about, of the customers, right? Say they make, they pay you $100 a month or $200 a month. Do they feel like they're getting $2,000 worth of value on top of what they're spending? Or are they getting $10,000, $15,000, whatever it is, specifically? And how are you... Um, how are you servicing that for them? So what we're really curious about in TLDR fashion is, is that first valid? Like it is a value creation on the brand side of your business or you know the front side of your marketing. And then the product side is value extraction. And how are those two things? Like what is the bridge between those two things? And so I'm curious what you're, what you're thinking on that. And then, you know, Rob, give us, give turn a little polish. So marketing's job is to create value. Yes. For who? That's a that's, really good question. That's the distinction that we're trying to bifurcate. Yes. For who? Not to be a dick. Is marketing's job to create value in terms of money in for money out? Is it an ROI exchange? Ooh. And then on the far end of that, you've got product. Maybe Ooh. the furthest, furthest end is retention or the value extraction. Is that how you put it? Yeah. That's how I put it. Rob has a sexier way to say it though. Because I think what's... The disconnect in my mind is that middle section of value realization. That there's differently. There's value creation mm -hmm. for both the, the brand value, the positive association, mm. the no like trust, because especially in the world that I run in, that's all based on existing contracts, buying cycles that are dependent upon when those contracts come up. There's an enormous amount of value in simply being known, liked, and trusted and creating value or the experience of value. Everything from, I have a positive, good association of Aaron made me feel good because he commented on my thing or he jumped in to help me out with blank, 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 right? Uh, down to, I went to this event or I read this piece and I got something out of it. It created value for me that was independent of a purchase. So it, it's generating value. Marketing is generating value. And for a contract base, rip and replace, where you're not adding something, you can't add SMS, you can't add an e-commerce platform, you can't add email, you have to, you, everybody's already on one, so you have to take it away. That's such a, a high bar to jump that it only comes up when, when the contract is at an end and somebody's actually evaluating, do I want to make this choice? And now in that moment, that's the value realization. I'm creating value in the market predominantly through content experiences and relationships is, is how, but it's, it's all those relationships. So when the buying process is engaged, most of like 95% of the time, I have no idea when that's going to be when they flip the switch and they go, all right, we're shopping now we're in shopping mode that you're right, that they then have a positive association and I and Ricard, the, you know, the company it's in their mind to be considered. That's value realization, mm. as long as that actually turns into some sort of percentage of closed one deals. Yeah. Then there's value extraction mm. at the far end of, in either direction, I suppose, of are they experiencing, and I think that's such a good word, we should actually camp on this for a second, are they experiencing a 10X, I give you $200, I get $2,000 back. 
I give you $5,000, I get $50,000 back Yeah, when you're playing at that level. And then also value extraction in how can we get more from from them? How can we take more, extract more value? um, And the product and adding features, getting somebody to do more, to interact more for some sort of tit-for-tat exchange. That's the continuum I'm thinking on. And the thing that I'm really interested in is particularly first that bridge between value creation for whom? Yeah. Is it quantifiable value for the company versus the brand, the company I work for, that marketing does that? Yeah. Does that have actual value independent of? Yeah. Or does it have to be associated with the number of touch points and interactions and like an ABM approach or even a scrappy ABM approach, account-based marketing, to then be able to identify in some sort of hit list fashion, some of these are then going to turn into open deals and some of those open deals are going to close. And then we actually realize the value. That's that middle ground, that the yeah. first bridge that I think is interesting. So I think the experience thing, so I'm going to, I want Robin to go on this, but I think the experience thing is a really, really important one, especially as you go from creation to realization to extraction or whatever word we want to use at that point, because 10x experience is actually different than 10x extraction. There's like there's there's like a there's like a dividing line there, right? Which is can you Finally make them pulling your weight? feel like they've had the 10x experience. Well, feeling like a 10x experience is actually easier to do than making them feel like they got the money the money out. And so if you can give them both like, you know, God, you, you're a god among men or or you're a god among sass, if you will. Um you're you're a Zeus of sass. But I think the the thing is we all get very focused on the money because that's what talks in the deal cycle. But in the retention cycle, the experience is what talks actually a lot more than the money. I mean, the, the money does talk. Let me not say, let me not understate that that's a little unfair, but like, no, no. experience is super important. I, I think we undervalue it. Dude, so yes, absolutely. Perfect example. We, we had a brand that I really like come on board in about October. And I'm going to speak in generalities. They probably listen to this podcast. They're going to figure it out. Anyway. (laughs) And what happened was they didn't actually turn on their pop-ups via Recart to actually deliver the welcome flow for text messaging, which is the moneymaker. That's the effing moneymaker. It's true for email. It's true for, right? And also the abandons, right? That's where, and then everything else is basically being subsidized by those two. They turned it on for a a two-week period. and then immediately turned off the pop-ups, went back to their previous, not previous platform, but the previous pop-up platform that didn't then push in real time to, to recart, right? So I go on this expedition inside of their Shopify for last click. Excellent. And I literally pulled together a sheet. I'm like, this is from your Shopify. Last click. We made you more money in the two weeks that it was on than all of the other emails that you were sending for your welcome flow and for your previous, when you did SMS to this other one, by last click, UTM base, we made you more money in that two-week period than you'd ever made previously before, including the emails we were up against, right? I tried to paint it as clear as I possibly freaking could that we made you more money. And they still were like, it took them like two months to, to basically come back and turn everything back on. Right. And what I realized in that moment is you're so right about that experience of it. Because what was actually going on there behind the scenes was a lot of almost like messy relationships 
is the best way to put it, where there was an agency that was involved and there was a practitioner on the brand side that really had a great relationship with a few people here, but the relationship had never been established on over here. And the person that I was talking to knew me really well, but they weren't actually the one that was in the trenches making the decisions and firing the things off and giving approval. So approval got slowed down. And it was like, there's nothing you could do to say, this is making you more money. Yeah. And it didn't matter. The amount of times I've been like, dude, if you care about money, you will do this. Like, I have to talk to this person and that person. I'm like, can we just tell them to kindly, as Logan Roy would say, fuck off? Like, you're why does it matter? Serious people. It, it doesn't. Yeah, you're not literally, you're not serious people if this is what you care about. But there's so much. This is something no one in SaaS talks about. The relation, the relationship-based friction that goes into because you go in and you have this deal. They've said, "Hey, we're really excited to work with you, onboard you. You've done all this work to get them on." You're like, "Oh, motherfucker, we're gonna like, like we're gonna scale this thing. It's gonna be fantastic." And all of a sudden, you get inside the house and you're like, "Bro, like, what? This is not a mansion. This is like a rep. Like, this place needs to be completely renovated. We need to get we. So we always look at it when we go on the code for heatmap.com. We'll go on the code of a website. So they have to install some snippets." Bro, the amount of apps that they have not cleaned off the code on their website. And they're like, why is my my site speed? It's your fault. Is it? Because you have old code from 25 different fucking apps on the front end of your website. You're telling me it's, it's my fault. Like, it has nothing to do with me. We have every other brand. No one else has said this. You're the one. They're like, well, it's not my fault. Okay, can we go through this? And then you have to go through like, hey, we're going to go triage this. And it's not the brand's fault. I get they're, they're doing this, but there's so much friction or I guess the, the in, inverse, there's so much inertia with all the old relationships that you're trying to catch up and just catch on to the back of that train. Uh, it's really challenging. And what it comes down to is, okay, what do you actually want to accomplish? Because at the end of the day, what I had to own in that whole exchange that I had is I didn't connect the dots clearly enough And I did it in too lengthy of a fashion that didn't pack an emotional punch. And it also came on the back of the, the, you've got to establish expectations early, revisit them often. And the worst thing you can ever do for a human is leave them in the absence of information. So if we're talking about value extraction and the experience versus the reality or the the quant versus the, how do you two always put it? You're like the quality versus the quant. Yeah, the the quant quant versus the qualitative. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's the qualitative always comes first. It it always, now there's going to be a few weird outliers and, but no, it's, it, it always comes first, uh, the quant. And and what that comes down to is understanding expectations. You meant quantitative or qualitative first? Qualitative, the qualitative, the qualitative. I'll just, the yeah. Stuff. The soft stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if yeah, I, I like, I like that. I like this. I sit in the middle on this. So I'm, I'm curious because Rob, I feel like you have a very quant focused POV on this. Hit us, hit us, hit us, hit us, hit us. Before yeah, no, you polish. You got, this is such an interesting convo. This is totally like not what the theorem that I was talking about, but it's super, yeah. super interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really good stuff. Whatever, we'll keep going, dude. We said we're going to just it's, jam, so. It's, that's it. That's why the people tune in. No, this yeah. is, it's been brilliant how you guys have talked about that. I'm tr- I was trying to find this thing where, uh, damn it, I'll see if I can find it later. But the theorem that I was playing around with was, I think there is basically a two-pronged value vectors. Are you creating value for the user or are you creating value for the business? Okay. And so what I was thinking is a lot of the the whole point of marketing, in my opinion, 
or the majority of the point of marketing is to create value for the user. Yeah. The point of the product is to create value for the business. Hmm. And so that was the bifurcation that I had where if you have an incredible brand but a terrible product, you're never going to have business impact. If you don't have business impact, you're never going to make any money. But if people hate you, don't know you, don't like you, don't trust you, but you have a spectacular product, you're going to have a lot of uphill battles as well. And yeah. so that was my bifurcation was marketing really needs to be focused on that user level. Like, how am I making this user's life better? Mm. Is it by giving them information? Is it by making them feel smarter? Is it by connecting with them? Mm. Is it the qualitative stuff that you were talking about? Whereas the product needs to, that has to generate, that's why I'm giving you money, not because you're my friend. Yeah. Like relationships are with people, not businesses. Yeah. And so like you can't have a qualitative relationship, even though in the US corporations are humans, whatever. <laughs> like you can't have a relationship with the business. Businesses are comprised of people. You have a relationship with people that work at a business. However, I'm giving you money. People experience the world in stories. And if I don't give you a story of how your business is better, smarter, more efficient because you're using my product there's no perceived business impact. If there's no perceived business impact, you start to kind of basically take debits against your relationship bank account. And eventually that goes bankrupt. And so yeah. that was kind of the bifurcation where I think they're, the point of marketing is to build relationships with the users and create value for the users. And the point of product is to generate business impact. Marketing puts it out, product brings it in. And then the in the in like you're creating value for them and then the product is bringing that value back into the business. So it's yes, an expenditure I mean, they're, on they're, the marketing side. I guess my point being is that they're autonomous of each other because I can create value for a user and they can never become a user. Yeah, yeah that's why I think but the word user is that's still value generated. Yeah, yeah. yeah, users, are, that's the one nomenclature I need to, the semantic isn't great there. I need to figure out a better uh, nomenclature for the user. But like, yeah, so that was so what I mean is that there's, it's almost like a potentiality that you're putting in this user and then you can kind of quote unquote unlock that potential, but that potential has to have a way to be unlocked and that unlocking needs to come through the mechanism of product. So is it like audience versus user and like you're trying to get an audience member to a to user level inside of like inside of the brand? So you're saying brand because like brand, the thing is a company or a brand is still a function of who is the core user that brought you in. So like, let's just say it's a one one or two man band and it's like the CEO brought you in and he's the one helping write the flows. Like then user is the company versus say you go to Hexcloud, it's like there's, you know, 20 people on the team and it's like, okay, the brand is the, the brand is the company. And then the user, you know, is, you know, is like one of the rank and file people who's just on the day to day. But like, you still have to create because that person, say Jason comes to random SMS person and says like, yo, Recart, what's up? Like we're up for our contract and he's like, Amazing, right? Let's keep it. Then the user is the person who is the one making sure that the business stays on. And so I think there's like, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think there's an interesting interplay between like what levels within that are, is the product demonstrating value? Because the user is still going to dictate a lot of what the brand or the company does because it's still about champions. Yeah. So let me let me be a little more precise with my language because I yeah. think we're getting caught in like a, yeah. a lexicon quagmire. Yeah. <laughs> there is no value, or 
don't use value on the business side. Yeah. Value is only at the person level. When I think of product, it's business impact, not value. Business impact. What impact am I making on your business? And that can manifest in a whole lot of ways. It doesn't necessarily need to be financial and can be in a spreadsheet. It, it can be efficiencies. It can be morale. It can be these things like we're, we're moving faster, et cetera. But what is the business impact? Ultimately, that's what you care about. I don't care if my user is happy. I mm-hmm. care if my user is making more, my user's business is making more money. My user's business is more efficient. My user's business is growing faster. That's business impact. And that is the job mm. of product. And the, yeah. pro- the job of marketing is yeah. to generate value for the, the user or the prospective user. That's the, the bifurcation. Yeah. So try not to use value in the business yeah. lens, yeah. business impact, and then value is used on the user level. That, but I think, that's, that's my thesis. So tear that apart because that, that's as precise as I can get. What's so helpful about that for me is it reframes the idea of a campaign and initiative from... It's not how did this ad perform or how did this email perform? How did this launch perform? What it really is, if it didn't, why did it not generate value for them? Yes. And I could almost like just your physical response to that. Like maybe that's already you connected the dots. But in my head, that's like, it's such a powerful way to reframe and actually get at what I love about UX people in their true form is they're always talking about the problem to solve. What's the problem child trying to solve? What's the problem? And I love that thinking for exactly the same reason is, I mean, I see it writ small constantly. People can smell when I'm hawking something, right? And I am rewarded by the algorithm and engagement accordingly. And every once in a while, I get so I get like a pass of the perfect combination storm of like, I'm both hawking something and it hits, but it's pretty freaking rare. Yeah. And it's because when you're hot, it's not generating value, yeah. which is such a relentless focus on, that's a really powerful way to frame marketing, to just define marketing. Yeah. And not just content marketing, but also too, especially when we think about like this new, I hear attention is the new gold. Attention is the new oil. Attention is the new currency. And we live in the attention economy. Like that's been going on forever, but it's like, it's what, what that is the measure of content of creative of any initiative is what value is it putting out in the world. And then the value comes back. I love that. Can I push back on one thing? Do it. It, it, it's not even your idea. It's just that, that I keep hearing it get parroted. I do think attention is not even the new oil. It's always been the oil. But what's going to get really interesting is people that have a really great way, mechanism, refinement, whatever you want to call it, if it's oil, to refine that raw crude oil that is attention into intention. Attention fucking sucks unless you're a, a, a massive ad network. Like, unless I'm uh, uh, impressions and I just need eyeballs, intention is not your goal. That is not the Bro. path. The goal is intention. How can I get people intent on doing the thing I want them to do? Attention is great in the sense of like a CPG model of like, okay, I'm not ready to consume yet. Yeah. But because I know Aaron... And he's amazing. When I do have a Shopify store and I start running SMS, I'm going to think of Recart. So the idea is being in the decision set. But ideally, 
you're the top decision in the decision set when you're ready to consume. Yeah. So I just want to put a little uh, flag there because yeah. I, I don't like the idea of thinking attention is the end-all be-all. Again, unless you're an ad network or somebody selling against the size of your list type yes. of thing, I don't think attention should be at all a metric that you care about. And you could you could swap out ad network for creator too. If you're yeah. a pure play creator, then yeah. that's it. Because you're, yeah. you're, yeah, that's the currency you're doing. And that's where you're, you're seeing in. these incredible yeah. creators that have uh, almost like, they're not a micro influencer, but they're not millions. But the intention that they can create, it's a, yeah. if nobody's ever read it, go read it. It's one of the most seminal reads ever. It's called A Thousand True Fans. It's an essay by an absolute G, Kevin yeah. Kelly. He also wrote an incredible book of late. That to me is the core Everything. of business. You're not an entertainer, you're an entrepreneur. If you're an entertainer, get as many eyeballs as you want because you're paid against the people. But even then I would argue like, you know what I mean? That there's all these people that like, for the crude analogy, that going from like a, a TikTok person's like an OnlyFans, like unless you have a monetization mechanism, attention is absolutely useless. Yes. I mean, My so God. I think the... Uh, I don't know. I didn't have no notes. I had some, and then you just, you guys just went off. I attention to uh, attention to intention is really the key, though. I think I've talked to you about this. Maybe both of you is when I think about people's audiences and when I think about what they're doing, I really think about the impact, the density of the impact that they have. So if someone someone has five thousand followers, but they can drive two thousand leads. Like I don't care. Like I don't give a shit about if someone has a hundred thousand. But like you see, Mr. Beast is able to move markets right with what he does so uh, yeah i'm completely i completely aligned like i don't have many notes i guess on on like a we've been very philosophical can like I, how do you can i say one more thing on that chase yeah i me. love that framework and i actually think i stole this from you so i'm gonna uh, pass it off yeah, to yeah, yeah there um, we go the way i think of that is uh reach and impact yeah so like how many people can these people reach but how many people or you can even use a more uh loaded term as influence how yeah. many people can these people reach? How many people can these people influence? If you have a million people that you can reach, but you can only influence 10, or if you have a thousand people you can reach, but you can influence a hundred, who are you going to pay? Who are you going to buy? And Dude. that's how I kind of bifurcate when I'm deploying capital. Like, is this a reach event or an impact or influence event? And yeah. sometimes you have a bifurcate or a, a melding of the two, yeah. but those are the ends of the spectrum for me. I have, Sorry, a funny, I have a funny story about this. So I, I when I first started out uh, in marketing when I was uh, young and not, uh, I didn't know anything, we, my, the company, the fashion company I was working for did this collaboration with a, um, He's like a singer, Disney Channel, Disney Channel. This is when I used to put product in my hair all the time and I was trying to be like a oh, professional and I was like, dude, no one gives a fuck. And we did, she had across all of her channels, she had like... Um, 7 million followers. So we did this collab for footwear with her. And we went to her house and we were doing this Instagram live and she had been hyping it for weeks. And we're like, oh, dude, we're going to fucking sell out. It's going to be incredible. We had bought, we brought two containers over from China. Oh my God, we're going to need to restock. Let's get the factories ready. 75,000 people show up to the live. All right, not bad. 12 shoes bought from the live. 12 pairs of shoes. Got them. We had to give the shoes away just because of the hole it was burning in our pocket at our warehouse. To store Like, who? 75,000 people showed up, 12 people bought. That is, if you have that, like, if that's your conversion rate, close the fucking store, dude. It, like, 0.016%. What a joke. <laughs> what a <laughs> fucking G, G, joke, dude. And 
why I bring that up is like a parable for it doesn't matter if you have an audience if you can't actually influence anything. Like if they're not there, if they're just there to like watch your shit and watch a video, cool. Like that's that's fantastic. You're going to be able to monetize that and go with like go to God. I I'm, I never want to stop people from making money. But if our job as as deployers of capital is to work with the people who can actually move the needle for our business, whether it's us investing in like an event doing that or investing in a newsletter whatever we're looking at what actually moves the needle and what you said rob is it a is it a reach event or is it an actual like hey we got to get leads to hit close one de- close one deal like goal that we have by the end of this quarter what are we actually trying to do and i, I don't think enough people are honest about that because we all want to play in the places that are cool and I could give a fuck. I'm at the point now where I could give a fuck if something is cool unless I know that I have this top line need to have reach and be visible. So there is a certain amount of you need to just be visible and there needs to be some motion in the ocean, if you will, so people see that things are happening. <laughs> None of the kids will get that reference. Yeah, no, no one's going to get that one. That's, 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 amazing. A, that's an OG throwback. That is a dated. Uh, yeah. So you need to understand those two things. And so if you're a smaller SaaS company listening to this, you want to be very careful with where you deploy your capital because you want that motion at the top, but you can't expend it at the expense of what's going on at the bottom line because you won't have money later because you're not closing enough deals. Uh, you're not closing enough deals to be able to fund it next quarter and the quarter after. So like, just be careful. And I would say always have your one, as, as we talked about, we've all talked about before, have your one like moonshot uh, or two moonshots that you deploy capital against you feel good about with the understanding of what the downside is. Right, like no one ever forecast a shitty outcome from a moonshot. There's think, like to be fair. I oh, can, I know you I, do. I, I know say, you hey, do. This I'm can saying, go to zero. Oh, I, but I'm saying I talk to a lot of people who do this, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's okay. gonna be fine." You're like, "Is it gonna be fine?" Like, I've had enough. I just gave you an example of a moonshot that was a fucking joke. Like, wh- like what a joke. Twelve from seventy five thousand. So. Don't be afraid to say this could be horrible and push back on the people that you're buying these spaces from and saying like, look, if this is fucked, what are you going to do for me? I can give you another example of a newsletter buy that I did that went terribly awry with someone that we all know. And they didn't make, they put the wrong link in and I gave them the right. Got him. And they're like, you haven't paid me. I'm like, dude, we paid you. I literally have the slip here. Uh, So hand them this thing. I'm like, so what are you going to do? You just gave away months of free codes where people are asking about, about it on intercom and 10,000 people just saw this. It's like, no, 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 I'm not doing anything about it. Okay. Well, I'm never buying from you again. And I'm going to make sure other people don't buy from you again either. You know what I mean? And it's like, people think that th- this stuff doesn't go out, but how many rooms have we been in where people are like, dude, I don't know about these people. So like, I'm just trying to, first, that's not a denigration of anybody. It's more like we get held to a very high standard by all these brands of what we're putting out there. Similarly, the people who we're buying ad space from should understand like, dude, we can close the dollars off. Like we know how to make money without you. You're just a placement. You are not the end all be all. Like we can go find, there are, there are more placements to be had. Anyway, I went off on a bit of a digression and tirade there, but hey, I think you had something, you had something listening to all of that between Rob and I. Oh, well, I was just going to pile in the let's talk shit about people we paid money to. <laughs> that had wildly disappointing outcomes. No. And, and, and an on-brand podcast. This is as on-brand as you get. Unhinged no, that's what I got. End of the year. Let's go, AO. 
Well, I know. I think the most helpful thing I'm walking away from this from is the creation, realization, extraction, yeah. which is also then connected to attention, intention. Dude. And then I'm not sure what the third, you're, you're the better one at the rhyming. Yeah. Well, I loved your triple, your three stage. And then the, the third framework was user generated value and business impact. Yeah. Kind of the three yeah, frameworks. Separating those two. But that's what I'm walking away from, from today. Like the really helpful thing about this is the judgment of why a thing works or doesn't is twofold. There, there's the metrics of how many qualified contacts did this generate an actual pipeline and then money that we brought in. Yeah. There's the follow the dollars, follow the numbers sort of thing. But the reason something doesn't work is because there was a fundamental disconnect in the value that it did not create for mm. the people. And then the only other bridge there is, yeah, right? Because I've, I've had this experience too. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to push back on it because I like to probe the, your ideas. Sound a little dirty. I don't think I have any rebuttals. Well, it's like... That's about, that's a, I could give you rebuttals, but they could get abstracted away into what you said, which is usually a good... It's a good heuristic to know that that's a pretty good little nugget. So yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. But here's where the disconnect then can come in. So I'll push back on my own idea is that attention into intention. I think that's one of the big divides that it's difficult to cross when, like we were just talking, you were saying nice things about the one thing events and the brand panels that I've been doing. The whole limitation on that on the, is just how do I get in front of more eyeballs? Yeah. When somebody sees the list of bangers, like the stacked cadre that's going to show up and talk and drop knowledge. The limitation is simply, how do I get more people to see this? Because once they see it, the conversion rate is like, and I know it's so fun sending those emails because it's always like the highest open rate. And it's just like, get out of the way of it. That's really the idea. It's almost like, just get out of the way of it because we've got a good thing. Now the disconnect then becomes, okay, is there actually a play to establish a bunch of relationships, no like, and trust in that, both with the people that are showing up on the panelist side and the people that are showing up on the audience side? Like, how do you actually bridge those two into intention? That's where it's, it's tough. I loved what you said there. And I would uh, just highlight the word limitation. So everybody knows I'm just love jobs to be done. And there's a, a jobs to be done timeline and you never want to sell to people that are window shopping. And so what I love about your limitation word is that there's going to be people that literally just can't consume your product. They're locked into a contract. They're not doing SMS, blah, blah, blah. And so that's where, again, I love the idea of user-generated value. You're still generating a ton of value for these people on the webinar, but the business impact that you can generate it's going to be a function of the amount of people that can actually consume your product. And that's why yeah. I think SMS and so in economics, we call it non-consumption versus consumption. So people that are already consuming something, it is so, 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 so hard to move them to a new thing. But if you're not consuming anything yet, and then I give you the thing to consume, it's a way easier pitch. So somebody starting out and hasn't done, I don't have Clavio or whatever all these other people are using. I'm, I'm just shopping. I'm not consuming yet. You converting that person on Recart is going to be way easier than you moving somebody. And, and there's also lock-in costs. And there, there's a bunch of fancy terms I can throw at you. But anyways, I love the idea of, uh, I'm going to add that limitation to the theorem because that that's a really good idea. Because And it al almost plays into what you're talking about, Chase, of like, how many of those people really wanted to buy those shoes? Yeah. Maybe the conversion rate was actually 80% because only 20 people wanted to buy those shoes. They weren't, there was never an intention to buy those shoes. So I mean, so it's super interesting. So if we go, if we go with like the way we do metrics here, it's almost like 
everyone who shows up is a mark is an MQL, right? Because they, they're like they're in there, they're in the, they're in the sphere. You can get them over three, nine, whatever month window you want. But the people who have the intention are now their SQLs, right? Because now you can go sell to them because they have it. So you got the attention. The attention is the MQL. Like, okay, I can now start serving them. They can be kind of part of my drip cadence of all the different things that I do that allows them to understand the brand product of Recard or Fermat or heatmap.com. But we're moving people into like, how do I get them into the flow of the product product? And that's where you get, say, the the people with the intent are now SQL or QL people. And I'm using that because Taylor Holiday had a question on the uh, about MQL to SQL. So I'm weaving that in directly right here. But I think that's a really interesting delineation between the two things is like attention is like MQL almost. Like we just want to get people in our, what's the word I'm looking for? In our universe, our galaxy. The orbit, the constellation. Right? In the orbit, exactly, exactly. Whatever word you want to use for that. What we want to do though is essentially say like, okay, but who has the intention to use your word, Raba? And- that's when you start saying, okay, now they're part of pipeline. And that's really, really exciting. Yeah. And can yeah. you even create that intention? That's also a really good question. Because yeah. I'm I'm like a I'm a breakthrough advertising Eugene Schwartz stand yeah. through and through. Kids yeah. That you that, but... don't create demand, you channel it. There has yeah. to be existing demand, consumption versus non-consumption. If, yeah. Am I in market? Am I not in market? Yeah. And it's one of those holy grail emperor's clothes kind of things that like the people that can generate demand and it's a lot harder to do the higher the price point that's also one of the limitations like it's one thing to generate demand for a t-shirt or a hat or you know fill in the blank on when the aov is 100 200 maybe even below 500 it's like okay i got right and it's just a match with what i've got available as far as like my spending capacity yeah it's so much harder on the other end can i actually do that or is it just a matter of like maybe it's just yeah you you went do bide your time. It is v- create the most excessive values you can and then yeah. be ready. I'm going to just say, I literally think you have to bide your time and only 10% of people are ever actually in market for your fucking thing at any given time. But the idea is it's cohorts, right? So like, what are the time cycles of people being in market? So like, I'll just, I was talking about Canva today with somebody and like what Canva does is they don't measure retention anymore. They measure in projects. Right. So people just come in and there's waves and it's like it's like an ocean for them. So they can't measure on 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 churn because they'd be completely fucked because people are churning. The same customer is churning. So it's not it's not is it recurring revenue? It's reoccurring revenue. Right. And that's the delineation. Right. And so it's like they're looking at who's coming back. And so the same customer comes back six times and pays them on a project by project basis. They're using for six months out of the 12 months of the year. So every other month they turn on. Similarly here, it's like, okay, 10% of the thousand people or 10,000 people that you get in to your kind of cohort of January or cohort of February are down to talk. But then, you know, the next 90%, you're just trying to get an extra bit of them every month from there. It's like, we look at these cohorts inside of platform. We don't look at actual attention to intention cohorts, right? I I actually never even thought about that until this actual moment. Uh, Or... Um, or the question, wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm jumping on you, I know, I know, but it's that thing of like, so when a big one hits, what everybody like above me always wants to know is, what'd you do, what worked? Yes. And the honest <laughs> answer is probably like, nothing, yeah. they were just ready. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> like we, we, but I was there, yeah. we were present, we, were like, we create, yeah. Yeah. That's what like there was no magic thing that tipped them in yeah. to like actually raise their hand. It was just 
No, no, we're there. So then the challenge becomes, how do you create a machine that generates value and stacks those groups and gets more in each yeah, time? Dude. Yeah, dude. Flat That's circle. the key. Yeah, time. This <laughs> literally. Is, this is essentially funnel marketing. But yeah. so I, I, this is brilliant, guys. I just want to say a few other things, though. So I think one of the big things that we're leaving out here, and I, I think yeah. you guys are kind of touching on it, but is that, again, you want attention to intention, but generating demand and capturing demand are very far apart. And what I mean by that is Louis Vuitton dropped a, a speed bag. It's a million dollar bag. The yeah. demand for that is through the roof. But guess what? You know how many people have a bank account to buy a million dollar bag? Not many. And so that's yeah. the thing you need to be careful about is like people can't have the intention. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys have seen the meme with the, the guy walking around. He's looking like all the luxury stuff. It's like, oh, that's only 250 Dang, really? For that color? That's cheap. And then it shows like a little overlay of his bank account of like $25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you need to be careful about is that generating demand and capturing demand are two totally different things. And they're also out of your control. Like if I don't have money, but I want it, like it doesn't like it's six of one half dozen of the other. It's like, I mean, it's better than you not wanting it because we become aspirational. But at the same time, like there's no business impact that I can derive from this user that like, it, I can generate value for the user, but yeah. I can't actually siphon any of that user's value into actual business impact. So that's the only thing I just wanted to say there. I think everything else is spot on, but you do need to make sure that, uh, and again, if you use like a jobs to be done timeline or whatever, you can start to map these people out where you never get people into that. And this kind of to tie it in, in a neat bow is that's the whole point, Taylor, of an MQL is that it's a marketing qualified lead. If it never goes into an SQL, yes, it's still a qualified lead, but that's the whole point of having stages is that this is somebody that came into the shopping mall. Yeah. They know about the brand. Oh, guess what? They don't have a credit card. They don't have any money. That's why I'm not wasting any of my sales team's time on this lead because it doesn't matter how good the pitch is. The worst thing you can do is sell to somebody that can't buy. And so yeah. that's where yeah. to, to give Taylor his answer. If, if an MQL never becomes an SQL, was it ever a qualified lead at all? That's the whole point. And so that's where another thing is you can derive or you can eradicate this question with, and this is a marketing one thing. If you guys are in B2B SaaS, marketing one, bunch of killers over there. But this is why they want to get away from like qualified lead versus like stage one lead, stage two lead. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, okay, now I don't have this qualification kind of stigma on it where it's like that the whole point of staging is to make sure that people that can't buy don't use yeah. resources from your sales team. Yeah. But also I think I like the way I re- reframe that is, and I, I've said this to a lot of uh, people who aren't ready when they get into sales calls, like, look, you're not ready, but I'm really excited for when you are. And I want to still stay in contact and help you as much you're getting as possible. Getting so much Anything. ASMR from your uh, yeah. vest. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, just help them understand that because people also don't want to waste their time on a sales call if they don't know that they're in market. Like, hey, look at this video. Look at this. Maybe they get frustrated in that moment, but everyone's time is super valuable. And like, yeah, we're not trying to waste our sales team's time, but also like if you reframe it for the customer, like you're, like, you're not the right customer for this. Yeah. And I've actually had many customers come back later they said look we're ready now because now you've kind of gated it and said like look you can't you can't do this so you're essentially re- you're reverse engineering this whole thing reverse uh, you know reverse psychology and they're coming back to you when they're ready so they've essentially qualified themselves and so i think there's a it's just really important 
I mean, one of the big portions of this we haven't talked about is like the tactically how you actually qualify people. And so that's a quagmire. I think it it is a quagmire. One thing like the the simple ways like everyone else does is have say on your Calendly link, if you're going to do that, like have a bunch of questions and know the one that's actually like the hidden one that actually tells you if people are qualified, like they know the answer to this, say strange, this strange question about CRO for us, for instance. You're like, oh, people who know, know. And these are the people we want to talk to sales calls on. If they don't know this answer, they should just go full PLG. And like they can sign up for the free trial and you know go with God. And we'll help them on a support on a support level, but we shouldn't be talking to them on a sales call because they either can't support the scale that we need to have a sales call or they're not an agency with expansion revenue po- you know, possibilities for us. Like again, very that's like the janky low-end version of there's a bunch of other really nice tooling that people can do. But if you want to do very simple version, something like that, and or in your onboarding flow, just have a really simple, simple survey on there for people to tell you who they are and make sure you get their email so you can essentially line up their stuff. I've found that that data over time, as it populates, becomes insanely valuable. You think like, oh, the first 50 people, it doesn't matter. Once you have a thousand of those, you start being able to have really interesting conversations internally because you have this kind of like qualitative data set internally. And then you have all the, the quantitative stuff that's in your dashboards that you can start synthesizing between the two things, plus watching sessions in like Log Rocket or something. So you start being able to have a really interesting kind of triangulation you can do of the user journey experience and what they said they wanted on the front, what their size was and what their expectations were versus how they used your product and what their engagement metrics look like. So I think like that's a really interesting kind of Bermuda Triangle. I hope you don't get lost in it, but like triangle of what you can do with that data um, if you want to actually get into the the tactical how-to of some of this stuff. I don't know if you guys have any other better ways of doing this, but I'm thinking of like, how do you do it with the least amount of resourcing needed? Because you go to engineering with the stuff, they're going to tell you to fuck off. Uh, I can give my two cents and then I'd love to hear how AO tackles it, but... So I had two experiences, right? So when I was at Triple Whale, it was very much so at the beginning product-led, which is it's great because you can internalize and grow at a pace that is not hampered by a sales team, sales calls. Because the challenge with sales calls is that you need synchronous time. With PLG, I can buy whenever. I, can, I just have a credit card and I can get in. Um, so there's just an inherent cap or ceiling to the velocity of a sales-led team, no, no matter how big they are. There's just going to be a, you know, self-service versus checking out with the cashier. It's, it's always going to be faster if there's no line. With that being said, your qualification process is super, super important. What I would say is don't get too sophisticated too early. Complexity in the system will obscure learnings. With that being said, paradoxically, like as you get bigger, you need more sophistication in your scoring process. And so I, I think Chase's nail on the head there. So for us, we are a higher ticket price point. And so unless you're spending 50 to 75K a month on paid media, are at a certain run rate, like almost all of our stores actually, I think are above 10, 15 million a year. Like, not that we don't want these lower level people, or not lower level, that sounds like a condescending, but um, people at a different part of their e-com journey. It's just that the value creation to the business impact, like the price just doesn't, you're not going to get the value for what we're going to charge you. 
And so for us, it's just better not to piss people off, waste the salesperson's time, do all these things. And it's just like, hey, and so what we're doing is we're putting these people into just content flows where it's just like, hey, you know, here's cool ways to experiment. Here's ways to do this. Essentially things that Firmat does, um, but then they can do, because I think there's essentially not only in business, but in life, like two paradigms. You have more time than money or more money than time. And these people have more time than money. And so they can go get Replo or they can go build their own landing page, blah, blah, blah. But like the Canada Gooses of the world or like the upmarket where we play, it's they have more money than time. And so they just want to be like, here's money, do it. Like I want to run an experiment, do it. I want automated CRO, do it. And like those are the people that we can generate value for at the price point we're charging. So I think it's a really good point, Chase, where you, you but also to what you're saying, Aaron, I don't think you want to discard these people. You, you know, you keep them in the homie. It's like, hey, you can't afford the VIP room yet. That's totally fine. You can still hang out in the club. You know what I mean? The music's yeah. still great and blah, blah, blah. When you're ready yeah. and you have the resources yeah. to allocate towards this product or software, but also have the ability to get that return and business impact from it, boom, let me know. I'm here for you. Yeah. If not, it's all good. You know, we can yeah. all, everybody will come out and do a couple of cheap tequila shots with you and yeah. life but is no good. Bo- I'll go no back bottles. behind my little velvet rope. And yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. No, no, but, no bottles of crystal for you, friend. Yeah. Not, 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 yet. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, AO, how do you guys tackle it? I mean, ours is really simple. It's store leads data. Yep. Shop. Is it a Shopify platform? What's their plan that they're on store rank? of 150k above 100 or below and then 50k and then we even slice and dice it smaller than that uh we don't pay attention to expected revenue the really nice thing about being an app that you install is that we immediately then can pull like last 30 last 60 day revenue yeah and so that's an even higher tighter bar to then it's just a matter and we're so resource constrained that it's we're just canceling canceling demos left and right that's yeah, yeah. And because we just can't get into it, uh, just don't have the time and resources. So we're pretty ruthless. We do a little bit on some social data for like an outlier of if you're above 100,000, 250,000 followers on Instagram, we really ignore yeah. Facebook. But just the idea of like trying to, we just have a pretty tight, like, and it, it's all built out really fancy inside HubSpot as far as check this, check this, check this, even down to like currency. Like we're just checking currency, like all these little things to make sure, okay, are we going to do this? Let's do this. And then everybody else we're nice to. It's not like we're kicking them off the email list or they don't yeah. get a nice responder. We don't reach out to them later. I've taken those calls too. Like we we have an automation that just says, hey, you know, this is who we are a really good fit for. If you're below this threshold, we'd love to talk to you about your journey. Um, we're going to go ahead and cancel the meeting for now, but let me know. And if somebody comes back to me and asks me for a meeting, I've done this like three or four times. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's still hang yeah, out. Yeah, and meet. Yeah. Those are sometimes really fun, right? Because yeah. it's good yeah. to just be out. Yeah. Yeah. But you just sort of set that bar, set that expectation. Um, and then that really whittles down. Like we have a really high MQL to SQL to close rate now. Yep. Because, and all of that comes from is we're just not, we're not entertaining anybody that we know is not going to be, for marketing qualified in my head, that's like, can you afford to buy? And what are yeah. all the signs that oh, show you can afford to buy? That's marketing qualified. Everybody oh, so else is I like a, a contact. That. Okay. I have a much more liberal view of yes. yeah. uh, marketing qualified. So that- that's I'm way tighter. I'm like, you're a contact, then you become a lead, and you're only a lead if you're on oh, Shopify. Oh, I don't have lead stage. I, yeah. Yeah. I consider contact and lead the same thing. Contact, lead, MQL, and then SQL, and then we're okay. off to the races. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're probably aligned on our thoughts of the stages. We just have different stages. We, yeah. we and maybe different definitions of those stages, too. Yeah. Th- so that was the other challenge with Taylor's question is like, 
that's the biggest quagmire on the planet where it's like, what's the MPO? Everyone what's has, what's every the, company it's goes. So it, it's, it's contextual, man. It's like a relationship. You just want. Well, to- the other thing, like we actually met, we put intent into, if, if I'm going to call you an MQL, you have to either book a demo. You have to book a demo to be an MQL. Like oh, that's a hard. Oh, so you don't have. have a scoring system. Cause we have a scoring system where it's like, if you uh, follow us on Instagram, if you downloaded gated content, if no. you attend a webinar, Oh, we do, we do scoring. Okay. So you're, you're probably a better way to start. We're thing. super we're, we're, binary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that, that's not, I don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. It's, but again, it's, it's different. It's a relationship, man. It's different structure, different folks and making sure yeah. that you have, cause I don't think there should be a high, I don't think you're doing enough. Well, I guess it's depending on your resources. I want to see a consistent conversion rate between my MQL and SQL, but not a, not a huge, cause I want to keep filling that bucket but I want to have only meetings with those. I, what I care yeah. about more is that SQL to demo, demo to convert, or demo to opportunity, or SQL to opportunity, which is a demo because they've been qualified. Because if people book a demo for us that don't have the qualifications, we still don't SQL them. Yeah. No, and we don't MQL them if they book a demo and they don't have yeah. the qualifications. Yeah. But you said we don't, we don't even MQL a demo them. is a SQL. No. So I misheard that. No. You have to okay. be an M- you have you to be this high to ride the ride to become an MQL, and perfect, then you got to book a demo to be an SQL after you already met the standards for yeah. being an MQL. Yeah. Okay. So everybody else no is a contact we- or a lead. So okay, this is also bifurcation from us then, because you can become an SQL without booking a demo in our scoring system. You have to do no, a whole bunch and- of stuff, but and it's a whole bunch of active intent. Like so, yeah. You're, you're so, but you haven't booked a demo yet because what that shows me is like this person is super hot and bothered. Get a salesperson to get in front of them. Email them. Okay. On them. Get person. So that, that's because that's for me. Sales qualified lead. Then once you book a demo and you're this tall to ride the ride, then you become an opportunity. And then from that opportunity, you become closed one. And those are the three stages I really care about. Is like, am I feeding? my sales team, the best people, are these people going through the stages quickly? And then ideally, like I can push those conversion rates a little higher because I can give them better leads versus like my MQL yeah. to SQL. I really don't care about because like I want to have a bunch of MQLs. Like that that's the whole point of it. I yeah. want to get everywhere omnipresent, but I want to yeah. whittle these people down that do come to the amusement park yeah. that can afford the ride and are tall enough that's when they get into that. Yeah. And so if there's somebody outside talking about how much they love the theme park, how much they do this, I would spend so much to ride the ride, blah, blah, blah. I want my salesperson to go talk to them and be like, hey, you, you seem like a really good fit for this ride. You're tall enough. You have the money. We could really have give you a pleasurable journey. Would you like to talk more about this? And so I, yeah. I think, but again, I think the whole point of this conversation is like, there's no right way to do it. Yeah, like, yeah, do yeah, what's yeah. best for your business. Because I have seen people be too sophisticated and it just uh it, it almost is gets into that attribution conversation of like the conversation is so useless because people are not starting from the same first principles for me yeah. your scoring system needs to be basically get, everybody gets on the same first principles and then it doesn't need to be written in stone like you can be realize hey maybe people's not spending maybe people spending thirty thousand dollars a month and not seventy five thousand dollars a month are still a good fit for us yeah. And then yeah. I'll give you one more, which is when you get super sophisticated, we have a really great VP of sales at Fermat, but a guy named Zach Rigo, VP of sales at Triple, super, super awesome guy. Um, and so him and uh, another guy named Alan Finn, who's running the marketing, another wonderful human, what they ended up implementing while we were there was we realized that there was a higher churn for big stores that did self-service checkout. So 
Even then when they're, so there's a, a cool tool we were using called chili pepper, kind of expensive, pretty, pretty yeah. decent. And so what we were doing, we would actually remove the self-service checkout for these big boys and girls yeah. because we knew if they went through self-service, because there was so much complexity to the product at this point, there was all these different value vectors that a sales call was so necessary to yeah. make mm. sure that those people had the story of why they should give triple whale, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month. That's and so, so but my point is we didn't start there. We started yeah. with a very rudimentary yeah. sales scoring system, but yeah. that's the sophistication level you can get to as your company grows. So again, yeah. the too long didn't read, do what's best for you and make sure that everybody's aligned on the first principles. Those are the only yeah. two things that matter in your scoring system. Everything yeah. else you can modulate. Or that that's and my take. My take, my final take on this is and you can never go wrong if the fundamental goal is to create value and not be shy about letting someone know your intentions. Yes. That's the twofer. Yeah. That's the dump value yeah. and then just like level with people of, hey, when you're ready, I can hear for it. You are on my list. Yeah. And people appreciate yeah, it, dude. People like yeah. when we, when we tell people like, hey, blah, 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 doing this kind of thing where you do it, it's just like reaching out and it's like, hey, you're, you're awesome. This is this, this. These are like the way you put it, it's not a you, it's a us thing. Like, as long as you're doing that, and like, here's a bunch of things to get you to a level and like circle back. Like, we, we yeah. love to hear it. Here's a bunch of social feeds that we're on. Here's our newsletter you can subscribe yeah. to, webinars. We'd love to have yeah. you. We just want to yeah. make sure that you're going to get the value, outsized value for the money you're going to give us. We, we want you to use the tool and the software because you're making money, not because you like the brand. So, I think the the big thing that kind of comes from all of this for me is when you're, someone might listen to this and be like, okay, fuck you, I need to make money. And my challenge to everyone is this, not all revenue is good revenue. If someone churns in a month, two months, three months, whatever your contract terms are, or they have a bad experience, they want their money back, or they're willing to badmouth you online because they're not having a great experience. And it's like, dude, you were never a fit in the first place. Like there are deals you should not close there are customers you should not have. And I think everyone here is like, okay, what, what does that come down to? And it comes down to a, I don't want to say a rigorous qualification process, because we're say, we're, we are saying have something simple. It is more of understanding who is the ICP that will win for you today and making sure that people know that that's who you want. It's like, look, you want to keep coming and hanging out with us, like fly at your own risk kind of thing, or, or join the ride at your own risk. But also we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone that we like. And so I want everyone to understand that it's okay to say no to people. I know we're all like, oh, we need the business. We need the business. Always ask what the cost of the customer is to your business because they will. The cheapest customer always costs you the most in support. They always are the loudest on, on social when things go wrong. And they are the most, once you have a call with them, the, the kindest gentlest people when you get on a call like oh yeah it's lovely we're really happy to be here it's like dude you literally just said my mother looked like a bat on social like i don't really understand like the vitriol you're putting out there and then this kind this kind generous personality that you have and so just always kind of understand who you're coming like who you're going after and what the cost of each person is because there are deals i've made where i'm like dude I'm doing this and I know, I know it's not going to go well from the jump. And I'm like, I just need the money. And in hindsight, didn't need it. Didn't need the money. You know what I mean? Like what's 1K going to do for my, like not going to do anything. It doesn't actually matter that much. 
So anyway, uh, I think Robbie, you had something on that. No, I think it's beautiful. Uh, the uh, like corollary or analog I used to it is I consider it like customer margin, where yeah. you know you have product margin, where there's yeah. really high margin products and really low margin products. It's the same amount of revenue, Dude. but the amount of money that comes to you customer on the margin. bottom line. That's what how balance sheets, profit and lot. Like, it's called margin, kids. And so yeah. when you take out all this thing of customer support, the team getting yelled at, like all this, just all these po- or negative externalities for this money. Don't get me wrong. You do what you have to do when you have to do it. But when I was running my small shop way back in the day, $3,000 to like, just not, not that that's not real money for people. Like it was, I'm just at a different stage in my life than I was in, at that place in my career. But the small people can scuttle a really small organization because they take up all the resources and they don't do anything in terms like it's almost the the worst case scenario because it's yeah. flip flop like yeah. you're almost paying them to yeah. use your product and so yes be very very wary about that but with, with the caveat being said like you know I did what I had to do when I needed to do it yeah so, exactly I mean, th- there's definitely yeah. that but when I really started making money is when I had the power to say no yes. Mm. I think that's what we ended on. That yeah. that was yeah, yeah, boom. That hit. fueguísimo, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. No, no. We should have a bumper at the front of this, I know, like just the exit music. Yeah. Get the and, and like okay, like power through the first ten minutes. We're gonna talk about things and make predictions, but I like that got that started hitting. Yeah, gentlemen, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it, gentlemen. That was a, a great start to twenty twenty four. That was a great. Kobe would be so proud of us. Of yeah. Oh my god, I was sitting there like. Dude, just, I'm just getting free game. Like this is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Same way. Yeah. This is yeah. the funnest. So yeah. good. We'll see you guys again for the next one. We're gonna have all of our uh, our theories and, and wild ones. Maybe Aaron will come with a theory next time that we'll talk about. But yeah, until next time. Yeah, this was fun, boys. So much so. Yeah, it's amazing. What else? We got to do some some plugs here. What, what, else? what else? We got to do yeah. a GoFundMe for Chase's internet first off. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, yeah. I, have the, I, have the thing. I have the thing here. Your, yours was <laughs> GoFundMe for my internet. It's, it's not. Isn't it like the story of, us, Chase. of our lives? Aaron and I were playing the game so well and then I could kind of like side-eye Aaron and we were both doing like a nod to not. Oh, dude. I wonder what it is. There's good things. You're probably nodding at some stuff that was like complete and utter horseshit that you guys didn't catch in in real time so hey when we actually record this thing that's going to be the dangerous part is we're going to be like nodding and not knowing what you're saying and it's going to be doing say some outlandish shit oh i love it it's funny Uh, i literally have the thing the router right here i gotta i gotta hit uh spectrum so they're they're going down you gotta get the at&t as much as i hate them yeah Um, I'll get my mic up and running too for next time too. Hopefully, I'm not too crackly. No, I, 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 you, I sounded, you sounded you sounded lovely, dude. You okay, lovely. yeah, dope. Yeah. Um, and we're doing this every two weeks now. Let's yeah. do it. You got it locked in. Yeah, locked we do. In. We got to Oh, a couple cool things. The true classic. Do you guys see their 365? The 365. Day shirt? Yeah, yeah, incredible. Three, 3K, Wait, are we still recording? Yeah, yeah we're still recording, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just closing out. So true yeah. classic, $3,000 tee. I thought that was really amazing. A little pick of the week, uh, Slow Horses on Apple TV. Sensational, so good. So sensational. Good. And then uh, obviously shameless plug, the Recart Webbies. How do people get that, Aaron? Can we drop some show notes in that or something? Are you still Oh, definitely. Out? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll drop they, those They're over. so yep. good, man. The, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I am very critical. I usually won't say anything if I don't you know, super vibe with it, but man, you, you really nailed that. So, uh, definitely we'll drop some show notes in there and go check it out. And then yeah, go get on geometry growth from Fermat, And then I'll toss it over to the beautiful AO and then Chase can close us up. 
No, no, I'm tapped. I, I you nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just subscribe to conversion party. Our newsy at, uh, such a good name. Yeah. Uh, at, uh, heatmap.com and yeah, let us know how we can make this better and how we can help you guys and follow these two gentlemen on the bird. Uh, or, or the Xer, I don't know what you call it, and unfollow me because it's not this content isn't great. So no, 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 I think that's the one. Is what I'm super interested now to hear about. Like, yeah, I would love to get feedback on how these are going, cadence, what topics you want to hear from us. Like yeah. that would delight me to yeah, get to yeah. jump into some of that. I would love to get hollered at. Hundred percent. Yeah, this is for you people. Yeah, this is yeah. We literally we literally have no sponsor, so that we can just give you straight hot fire. We've been offered. Yeah, just know that we've yeah, well, been offered cash. I'm very uh, willing to to turn the sponsorship offs on. Oh, so I, I didn't uh, say that I quit, wasn't willing. I said quit. that at this point we have not taken money, so we can give it. To, if they tell us that we can't cuss and they well, give us the cash, st- like yeah, yeah. Well, I, here's I'll the thing: it. I'm getting a little tubby, so I'm going to start yeah. running again, and that's yeah. really going to take a hit on my uh, my feet pick site. So I need yeah. to subsidize the revenue somehow. <laughs> <laughs> never getting a sponsor now. Oh, never, 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 never. <laughs> All right, this was great, guys. Yeah, until next time. Thanks so much. Cheers, man. Later.